Welcome to The Rodcast with Rod Turner, the show all about real estate. We discuss everything that affects asset-backed businesses, investments, and go deep into the details with some of the best in the business. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of The Rodcast. Today, we've got another property news update, and I'm really happy to be joined by none other than my new business partner and CEO of 978 Finance, Mr. Simon Das. So, Simon, welcome. Hi, Rod. Absolute pleasure to be here. So, Simon, what has been going on in the news over the last few weeks? And I guess the big thing is probably lending. Tell us about that, as obviously you're involved in that market. What's been going on? Well, obviously, I mean, the last year for lending has been pretty unprecedented uh, since I started my brokerage in 2018. Obviously, I've seen nothing like it. And I was barely in property, you know, by 2011. So I didn't feel the 2008 madness either. Um, So for me, it's been a real eye opener. It's been quite a, a crazy year. But the last couple of months have certainly felt a lot more positive about the finance market. Mm-hmm. Things are settling down. I think borrowers and lenders are getting used to the new norms and lending is starting to get a bit more competitive overall, particularly over the last few weeks. Yeah, we've seen sort of headlines like battle for business from mortgage lenders and things like that. So how, I mean, talk to us about buy-to-lets then. What's happening in the buy-to-let market at the moment? So the buy-to-let market is uh, it's definitely improving. You know, we saw rates shoot up over the past twelve months, and uh, and they've start they've been coming down. I would say for three or four months, really. But the last six weeks or so, we've started to see rates that feel a lot more rational compared to what we're used to. So we've started to see buy-to-let lenders even in the last few days, drop under the sort of 5% per annum mark with realistic arrangement fees. Now, there was a few 4 4 to 5% rates out there, but you'd see a 5 or even 10% arrangement fee on that. We've got a couple of lenders offering sub 5% with a 2% fee or with a £1,500 fixed fee and things like that. So a much, much better marketplace for buy-to-let finance at the moment. Oh, absolutely. And is that for... Limited company borrowing as well. Limited company borrowing, you can expect to pay a little bit more, but you know, in, in and around the five and a half percent mark is much more realistic. Everything was six, seven percent yeah. before. And is that still um, a low fee, or are we going to get? Generally, you, we might get three percent fees on there, but but it's certainly getting a lot more rational. We're still seeing five year fixes a little bit, little bit cheaper than two year fixes in general. So that tells you a little bit about what the lenders are thinking that they're expecting to see rates settle down a bit more over the next year or two. So that's a kind of around about that 5% mark with a 3% fee for the limited company borrowing. Is that about right for a five year? Yeah, I'd say broadly speaking, if you're in that range, you're not going to be too disappointed. Now, what about commercial? Because commercial's had a bit of a tough time recently. Where's lending for that at the moment? Oh, it really has. It's People really haven't been able to trust the market. No one knows how viable commercial leases, you know, other than the blue chip stuff. 
there's so many independent businesses that are struggling, you know, the energy prices and all, all these things contributing over the last few years, just general inflation, the cost of everything, wages. So it's been massively challenging. And generally, we've seen rates of sort of four to five percent above base until the last three months or so. I think, again, rates are starting to get more competitive. We've got a few lenders looking seriously at commercial five-year fixed term debt at sub 8%. We've just had a provisional offer on on a mixed bag of light industrial and leisure at 7.4% fixed for five years with a 2% arrangement fee. So I'd say around about the 8% mark. But if we work hard and we've got good uh, clients and reasonable LTVs, we can get it a bit closer to 7 and I guess it's going to depend a little bit on the use class as well, because like you say, leisure is going to be a bit higher than, say, industrial, for example. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it's so case by case with the commercial stuff. So, yeah, I'd say you've got to be thinking seven to nine percent on commercial to be yeah. realistic. And that's inclusive of the product fee as well, arrangement fee. Mm. Yeah. yeah, yeah, exactly. OK, great. And And then what about bridging and development finance then? Because... I've thought over the past, I don't know, year really, that although we've seen these high rates over kind of buy-to-lets and big fees and things, doesn't seem to have kind of proportionally run into development and bridging. Bridging seems relatively cheap when you look at kind of the spread, the typical spread you'd expect to get over a a kind of a typical residential buy-to-let versus a bridge or even development loan. Talk to us about what's happening with the bridging and development market the finance market at the moment. Yeah, I'd absolutely agree. Bridging's never never looked more competitive than over the last 12 months or so. Rates have increased a little bit. There were rates out there of 0.5% a month and and a lot of bridging was getting done at 0.7% a month, 0.75. Realistically, 0.8 to 1% on vanilla stuff per month with a 2% arrangement fee. And then if you're getting a little more quirky or into commercial, you might be sort of 1% to 1.25% a month on bridging. Not long ago, you know, you were almost better off getting bridging than a commercial mortgage and sitting and waiting it out. So, you know, that sector is funding in, in a different way. Yes, a lot of the bigger bridging lenders have institutional funds. They have funding lines from HSBC or Metro Bank or one of the others. But they have a lot more autonomy over what they're doing they've fixed big pools of debt for themselves for long periods of time and so they've not had to react in the same way and many of the smaller lenders are are privately funded anyway and their backers are happy with six to ten percent anyway so yeah we've really seen bridging hold I think it's been a bit more realistic there were bridging loans going out half a percent a month, as I said. And I just think Crazy that was... when you've got sort of 6% for a buy to let. Yeah, yeah. It was completely unsustainable and unrealistic. And, and what you did find were these ridiculously cheap rates were getting offered. But then you're underwriting it in the same way that you would underwrite a term debt product because ultimately you're just using institu- institutional funds with all those hoops to jump through. So I think it's been a little bit of a... A leveler in the bridging market and I think we're seeing realistic rates fair rate and actually some really competitive products out there one percent a month two percent arrangement fee put a percent in on the exit just when you're evaluating deals just to make sure you you're not miles off brilliant and I guess development finance then how's that looking is that similar well to- that's 
that again, it's been development finance. The rates haven't changed dramatically over the last year or so, but I do think the level of loans getting approved has reduced quite dramatically for a number of reasons. Developers not wanting to take the risk at the moment, not knowing where the end values or how they're going to get the sales of these properties once they're built. I think, you know, and then lenders feeling the same way. So being more critical when underwriting, surveyors being more critical when valuing. So that has contracted the market massively, I think. What we saw as the interest rates started rising a lot, we saw a lot of development lenders switching from fixed to variable rates. A lot of developers did not like that. Some of the smaller development lenders stuck with their fixed rates and they become a lot more appealing. So even if they were um, generally a little bit higher, um, their rates were a bit higher before sort of the interest rates started increasing, they knew their cost of debt, they knew their returns and they stuck with those fixed rates. So we started seeing developers go to slightly smaller lenders and the big lenders switching to variable rates. Uh, we're still seeing a fair few variable rates out there between sort of five and seven and a half, eight percent above base. And some of the development lenders I speak to have their clients asking for variable rather than fixed rates. And they're doing options as well, because quite a few developers are hoping they'll see the base rate drop over the next 18 months whilst they're delivering a project and make a saving that way. Sure, sure. And I guess like we, we saw kind of the uh, inflation numbers come in earlier this week. Um, yeah. Showing that the government had hit their target of halving inflation by the end of the year whether or not that was down to the government or energy price caps or things that other things is uh yeah or, or where, where they took the data from and how they packaged the figure i'm, I'm not too sure but sure. overall it is positive yeah it's definitely positive i mean i think we've still got to remember that we're still like 4.6 percent is still over double of what the actual inflation real target is so people thinking oh this is good news rates have got to cut now well we're still Prices are still growing far greater than, than we want them to be. So, yes, uh, it's positive, but are we going to see cuts uh, straight away? Unlikely. So what else has been happening in the news? We've got a new housing minister, our seventh new one in 21 months. Well, well, is he is he new? Because wasn't he the housing minister three ministers ago, about was, a year ago well, as he, well? Yeah, he a, was. He was for about thirty days, I think. For about thirty, 30 days. days. So he's got some good experience, hasn't he? Yeah, yeah. he has got some good experience. Is it Lee <laughs> Rowley? Is, yeah, is that yeah. his name? Yeah. So another housing minister, seventeen since. Um, conservatives got in is it 2013 or something yeah i mean oh, it's, it's, it's unbelievable basically it's just ridiculous it is there's no way that well-reasoned and sustainable policy can be delivered when you're chopping and changing housing ministers so often you look at lee his background is banking okay it's someone relate somewhat related but often what the banking sector needs and what the housing sector needs are contradictory as well. Mm. So, you know, they're not putting people with proper experience in place. I think his highest accolade whilst in a government role before now was a failed nighttime parking charge in his home constituency. You know, who are these people? Why are they chosen? 
how come they're getting changed every three months? I mean, it just doesn't make sense and it doesn't support a good housing sector. Well, it just shows that they're not showing this as a priority, are they? And it's a real shame because actually Rachel McLean, who is the, the one who's who's gone out, clearly didn't really want to go um, mm. to make way of this reshuffle, which I, I guess we can probably blame Swella Braverman and her kind of crazy views somewhat. Mm. But, I mean, it's a shame that she left because she seemed to be quite well-reasoned. She was doing a lot with the Renters Reform Bill. She was moved out the day before she was meant to kind of address the government on the Renters Reform Bill. So that then had to be delayed, which is like the timing couldn't really have been worse. No. Um, and so that I do think is a shame. She was she seemed to be quite good, actually, in terms of yeah. what she'd managed to do. So I'm hoping that there's been a really kind of detailed handover uh, to the incoming minister. But yeah, it, it's a difficult one, isn't it? It's how do you expect to get anything done? I guess I think on the last uh, episode was, was recorded actually on the day that it changed over uh, with Ian Humphreys and, and he likened it to that they're, it's like Chelsea Football Club with managers <laughs> kind of changing every two minutes. And it's it's difficult to get a to get good results when you've got kind of uh, unsustainable or unstable, sorry, leadership. Absolutely. It's frightening, to be honest. It's just, there's no reasoning to it. I mean, all, all it boils down to, in my mind, is, you know, vote winning and tactics. It, it doesn't make sense for the general public or the people in the sector. You're right. So, look, one of the other pieces of news is planning fees. So planning fees have gone up across the board or will be going up on the 6th of December. So if you've got planning applications, whack them in now if you want to avoid your planning fee increasing by 25%. Now, to be honest, I think that's a good thing. I mean, when you ask most developers, they will be more than happy to pay a bit more to ensure actually speed and quality of service. Now, it's a good thing if you get that speed and quality of service. If you're just putting them up for the sake of putting them up without that, then okay, I'm a bit uh, that's that is concerning. In terms of what's happening with the planning fees, so we've got kind of £120 for discharge of planning conditions, £293 for certificate of proposed use, £578 for each dwelling house or for a material change of use if it's below 10 units or between 10 and 50, it's 624 uh, for each each uh, dwelling house. There's going to be no special fees for prior approval. Uh, the power of certain bodies to charge fees for advice in relation to applications under the Planning Act is going to change. And the big one that I think is all fees are to be index-linked or increased by 10% CPI, from April 2025, so that's really going to start pushing up. Now, I do hope we're going to we're going to get something more for this money. I think everyone is more than happy to get to pay a bit more if they see results. I'm just not completely convinced. The other thing that's uh, that's changing is um, previously we've had this free go uh, with planning, which basically means that any planning app uh, application that goes in benefits from this free go to submit a further application without paying a fee. Now that's going to go as well. So that's good. That, that's always been quite useful if, if they, if the kind of town plans say, well, hold on, you put this application in. We think you, if you adjust it in this way or put a new application in making these changes, that's going to be relevant. So that's also going as well. 
so a few changes there which which developers yeah. will will need to see i mean any any thoughts your end of that is it good bad is it sort of long time coming or um i don't think planning fees have ever been the problem the actual cost of them i think the the free go is a bit of a kicker but ultimately as you say if paying a few more fees is going to get better service then that's fine but the planning departments have been chronically underfunding for I don't know how long. I really think this is where the government need to step in. They just need to subsidise planning departments, get the people in there paid properly, make them appealing places to work, increase capacity. I think that could have an absolutely, it would have a transformative effect, house building and on, on ultimately on those figures, those 300,000 houses a year that, the Tories said they wanted to build and then sort of did away with that target, knowing that they couldn't make it. That's what they need to do. They need to fund the departments properly, get them working right, and make planning reasonable and hit those timeframes so developers can schedule their builds and their projects and their pipeline properly. And that'll put so much confidence back into the market. So if this little increase in fees delivers that, wonderful news my gut feeling is they're so far underfunded at the minute it's not going to have enough of an impact and they need to do something else to really radically change that i i totally agree look they've got it they've got to attract more staff more quality staff back into the public sector really because if you're a town planner and suddenly i don't know your planning department for bondsworth has now merged with richmond and merton uh, borough and uh, the staff have been cut and now your workload has tripled or doubled and you're still mm. no I don't know getting paid half the salary you would be at private practice yeah what's the motivation there really there's, it's yeah tough, there's it? just yeah. not there's um, just not they're, they're trying to get the planning departments run on the well wishes and, <laughs> and charitable donations of time by the sounds of it exactly so look what else is going on in, in the property news then well, unsurprisingly, we've seen mortgage applications down a lot. I think about 30% um, year on year. That's not surprising, is it? People are holding out, waiting to see what's happening with rates. So no shock to the system. Hopefully we'll start to see those numbers changing in the other direction. We have alternatively, um, well, not alternatively, in cash buying has inc has increased massively as well. So mm. transactions haven't dropped so much. I mean, they've dropped year on year, but last year they were up. So pre-pandemic wise, I think they're about 10% lower. Um, right. Cash buyers have made a massive increase in terms of who's buying at the moment mm. versus people on, on new mortgages, which I think is, is very interesting. And kind of obvious as well <laughs> yeah you've got cash you're going to be thinking well my 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 cost of uh, capital here is, is worth going in as equity rather than getting on more expensive debt that's it yeah and i've been quite surprised how much cash in ev uh, evidently that there is out there in the property market i didn't realize so few buy to let properties were actually on mortgages i think i read somewhere that it was less than 50 percent of yeah. buy-to-let properties were actually on mortgages and that really surprised me and it's frustrated me recently because I'm trying to buy a lot of property on mortgages and up against the cash buyers very hard to make it stack so um 
but yeah, it's um, it's well, that's it's the big difference between two thousand and eight uh, and nineteen eighty nine. I crash is is the amount of equity that we've got in UK houses. So, so much more. Okay, so what about modern methods of construction? That's been in the news recently because that's been highlighted as something that kind of the UK really needs to get behind in terms of Mm. build, build, build. Got to get all these new houses. How can we do it? Modern methods of construction. So that is things like modular houses, uh, timber frames, sit panels, all those types of things. That's been in the news because they're having a tough time of it at the moment. We've seen, I think it was legal in general, bought a factory and then they've kind of, they've had to close that down, things like that. And what they're trying to do is get the government really behind this to get any government spending, uh, any buildings that they're building to be done in this way to show actually, look, we can get behind this as a country. It's it's kind of standard in other countries. Um, yeah. So why aren't we doing it? And there's an element around funding. I mean, look, if you've got kind of, what is it, Council of Mortgage Lenders, uh, CML certificates on the on the build type, then normally it's fine to get a mortgage at the end. Development finance is different. The other thing that's key is is the building firms, the actual firms constructing it, can mm. they get finance as well? And that seems yeah. to be a little bit of a critical thing at the moment because a lot of these factories are not able, are struggling to get finance themselves as that construction business. So I think it's been in the news that look the government's really got to push behind this and and, and get some funding to those guys, um, or to be saying look we are going to build I want to say councils will will build their houses out of modern modern methods of construction. Unfortunately, they're not building any bloody houses no. at the moment. So yeah, an interesting one. Look, as someone who's who's done a little bit of modern methods of construction in the past, I think it's fantastic. It's, if I could build it every time, I would. It's just quite there on the price point i mean in terms mm. of quality in terms of speed it's fantastic really is and i'd love to see more of it so yeah any thoughts on that yeah well i think it's um i mean it's very capital heavy it's sort of front heavy uh method of construction isn't it so i mean from a finance perspective when people are using modern methods of construction they tend to need to pay large deposits because the factories have to get huge amounts of materials in Normally, they're getting those materials in for that specific project, that specific property type that's been designed. So it's not easy for factories to cash flow. It's not easy for developers to cash flow. And it is more expensive. We've been building a few houses and we looked at modern methods of construction and we just couldn't make the figure stack, even despite cutting the build time down quite substantially. Yeah, I think things like vesting certificates do help. For example, when you look, how do you monitor if a monitoring surveyor is going down, you want to draw down? Obviously, it's not done on site. For example, if, if mm. it's something else, then you've, they've got to go to the factory and see, look, have the, have the materials been done? And you can get vesting certificates to show that. So that's one way around it. But obviously, look, that's absolutely popular and off-site construction. There's plenty of modern methods of construction that are on-site. So on-site it's quite well, a broad yeah. term, isn't it, that modern method of construction? So it's going to be dependent on type, isn't it? It is, yeah. And it's it's still very new to the UK building trade. You know, other countries have been doing this for for decades um, on a large scale. And I think, yeah, the government do need to find a way of scaling up production, supporting the industry. Um, I mean, funding, yeah, if you've got the mortgage 
uh, UK Mortgage Council um, certificates there, then um, yes, it does open more doors, but still generally lenders are a little bit wary of it and it's easier to say no than to say yes and, and the, the homework involved. So I don't know if, if the government could support lenders at one end offering, you know, guarantees on mortgages that are offered modern methods of construction and then get money into the factories and the places that are developing these technologies really support the industry at both ends. Yeah, absolutely. So moving on, we're seeing in the commercial property world, rents are going well. So not just residential and commercial rents are still going up, but we are seeing net asset values uh, decreasing. And that's really because when people are investors are still looking at real estate and comparing it as ever to the risk-free rate and other kind of fixed income-like assets that they might be looking at. And that is really, obviously, rents going up is a, is a massive positive, but if your net asset value is come down by 10%, it doesn't really kind of, it, it goes in the opposite direction and you're still at a net loss. Any thoughts on that side of things? What Do you think that's going to continue for a bit longer? Do you think actually now that rates are starting to come down, it's going to kind of push those net asset values or, or stabilise them, I guess, and probably not increase them. What are your thoughts there? Yeah, I, I do. I think mortgage rates have had such a big factor on commercial property sector. As we see them stabilise, I think, you know, a bit more confidence will come back into the market. It is just, there's so many unknowns when you own a property, even if it is commercial on an FRA lease fri lease you're still taking such a greater risk than than a guilt for instance and so that risk has to be taken into account i think once once people are seeing that commercial mortgage rates have settled it just brings that whole level of stability back to market sorry to interrupt this fantastic episode but i just wanted to share some really exciting news with you After a long time of wanting to be involved in a financial services business, I'm very pleased to say that myself and regular guest on the podcast, Adam Lawrence, have bought into 978 Finance. We are a directly authorised FCA-regulated mortgage broker who specialises in buy-to-let mortgages, commercial mortgages and bridging and development loans. I've been very passionate about finance for a long time and have been part of financing a lot of very complex deals, as well as your typical buy-to-let and commercial mortgages. 978 Finance focuses on the customer journey and embodies the pragmatic solution-orientated finance for each case that I absolutely love. It's got some very, very difficult financing deals over the line for me, and now I'm really pleased to be part of the business. So if you do have any new mortgages refinances, bridging or development needs, please do get in touch with us. You can either contact myself or you can email simon at 978finance.com and we will make sure you're looked after. Let's get back to the show. The other thing that is, I guess, reducing these values is, is the fact that everything's based on earnings. So while rents aren't going up, what we've had go up as well is corporation tax. So in distributable 
earnings, sorry, that was a bit of a mouthful, we're seeing that those are reducing because of things like corporation tax. With home builders, you've got developers, the increased developers tax as well. So those things are starting to affect those companies' distributable profits and I guess share price really at the end of the day, isn't it? Which is more on the on the kind of institutional level. Yeah, it really is. I mean, a five percent hit on the on corp tax or six percent compared to where we were not so long ago. It's yeah, it's a big difference. And ultimately... it's not five percent, sorry. If if you're going from twenty percent to twenty five, well twenty percent, isn't it? Fair point. Yeah. When you look at it as a percentage yeah, yeah. of the tax itself, it's yeah, it's a ludicrous increase to be honest when you put it like that so of course that's going to have a massive impact and then the developer tax that you mentioned there's you know all this money going into putting right the cladding issues from obviously from the rule changes after Grenfell I mean as if we're still dealing with that now and and only just really getting to grips with it now I think that's been an absolute calamity the government should have stepped in put everything right that needed to be put right. And then, as far as I'm concerned, if the developers had built to building reg standards at the time, they shouldn't be getting punished. And obviously, if they hadn't built to those regs, then fair enough, it's their liability. But we are where we are, and ultimately someone's got to pay the bill. And yeah, it's going to see smaller profits for the bigger house builders. They're still doing okay, but with lower production levels, higher costs, higher taxes... It's hard to see too much of a light at the end of the tunnel. It's sustaining rather than growth, and we need growth. Absolutely. It all comes back to what's going to motivate people to build more houses. And these things I don't think are, are they? No, yeah, it's hard to it. get investment flooding in when your earnings are going to be coming down, or distributable earnings anyway. So the only other bit of news I've got is the government has just released new information on that thing that landlords love when we get to this time of year, which is addressing damp and mould in the home. And okay. <laughs> this is, I will put a link to this in the show notes. It, it's one of those things that the bane of my life seems to be condensation with yeah. because it is very much kind of about lifestyles and how people are living. And I don't know if you, the windows are closed and there's no, you're not letting it ventilate. But the government seems to be putting more and more emphasis on that onto the landlord as well at the moment. So saying that you should have things in place to allow tenants to, well, don't want to put words in the world, to, to live how they want within reason, I guess. And the property should be able to be well ventilated. Now that's mm-hmm. good, but if you've got a kind of older property, it's incredibly difficult to do that if people are living in a certain way. So, yeah, I'm, I'm not sure what you think about that, but especially if you're in a cold and wet country like the UK in the winter, it's yeah. very difficult. It's infuriating. Um, you know, your own home, you don't have to hit such... Um, yeah, I mean, these standards are all well and good, but they're hard to hit. Um, I invest quite heavily in, in Victorian properties that are stone-built without a cavity, walls... Uh, big windows, traditionally quite difficult to ventilate. So there's so much I can do. And with the limited budget I've got, it is, it's down to lifestyle. Um, you know, people need to heat their homes the best they can, ventilate. And, um, and sometimes we're just, I feel like we're fighting a bit of a losing battle. Mm-hmm. Everything's getting pushed onto the private sector. You know, it was like with the EPCs, like you've got to hit an EPCC by 2025. 
it was just an unrealistic expectation. Leaky houses in the UK that have been built a long time ago, a lot of them. And it's just like, well, here's what you need to do. We'll not give you any support in doing it. And it, it just seems to me that everything gets pushed onto the private sector. It's going to push landlords out of the market. It's so difficult to deal with condensation and damp issues. It recurs every single year. You can get one tenant who starts to look after the property in the right way and gets that ventilation happening. But then a change of tenancy and that can go out the window and you can have the same issue in the same property just because of a lifestyle change. We found uh, is it PIV systems, positive ventilation. Yeah. I can't remember what the I or E stands for, but they have been quite good. And yeah. Watch out for there are, I mean, the cost of running them is pennies, yeah. but you do see kind of tenants switch them off because they might think, hold on, this is going, making a massive difference to my energy. It's really not. That is, gets pushed back on is if, it's winter and it's bringing in cold air into the property. You can get heated ones, so it warms the air before it brings them in. So I'd recommend if you are looking at that, go for that one because you don't want okay. to the tenant to switch them off. But they have been kind of pretty good. And obviously, look, if you're a landlord, go and inspect it and look at the root cause. If you don't know what the root cause is, it might not be condensation. It might be that it's just water getting into the property. Obviously, at that point, you need to, to you need to fix it. So get someone in, get a proper surveyor in who understands these issues if you're not too yeah. Brilliant. Okay, well, I think that is about it. Simon, as I mentioned right at the beginning, my business partner, he's the founder of 978 Finance. They specialise in buy-to-let mortgages, commercial mortgages, bridging and development lending. The reason I've kind of joined Simon is just so impressed with him. They've got done some really quite complex deals for us. And it's that customer journey. I just felt like I was really well looked after and he had my best interests at heart. So looking forward to more. So, Simon, if people want to speak to you about their mortgage needs or development or bridging finance needs, how should they contact you? So email is a good one, simon at 978finance.com or you can give us a ring on 01524889978. You can also check us out on social media. We're always out there somewhere. Brilliant. Simon, thanks a lot for coming on the show. Hopefully we'll get another one of these in soon. Yeah, hope so, Rod. Thanks a lot for having me. It's been an absolute pleasure. <laughs>